Section twenty eight of Gray's Anatomy, Part five. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Anatomy of the Human Body, Part five, by Henry Gray. The Kidneys, Part one. The Urinary Organs. The urinary organs comprise the kidneys, which secrete the urine, the ureters or ducts which convey urine to the urinary bladder, where it is for a time retained, and the urethra, through which it is discharged from the body. 1. The kidneys, renis. The kidneys are situated in the posterior part of the abdomen, one on either side of the vertebral column, behind the peritoneum, and surrounded by a mass of fat and loose areolar tissue. Their upper extremities are on a level with the upper border of the twelfth thoracic vertebra, their lower extremities on a level with the third lumbar. The right kidney is usually slightly lower than the left, probably on account of the vicinity of the liver. The long axis of each kidney is directed downward and lateralward, the transverse axis backward and lateralward. Each kidney is about 11.25 centimeters in length, 5 to 7.5 centimeters in breadth, and rather more than 2.5 centimeters in thickness. The left is somewhat longer and narrower than the right, the weight of the kidney in the adult male varies from 125 to 170 grams, in the adult female from 115 to 155 grams. The combined weight of the two kidneys in proportion to that of the body is about 1 to 240. The kidney has a characteristic form and presents for examination two surfaces, two borders, and an upper and lower extremity. Relations The anterior surface, facies anterior, of each kidney is convex, and looks forward and lateralward. Its relations to adjacent viscera differ so completely on the two sides that separate descriptions are necessary. Anterior surface of right kidney. A narrow portion at the upper extremity is in relation with the right suprarenal gland. A large area just below this, and involving about three-fourths of the surface, lies in the renal impression on the inferior surface of the liver, and a narrow but somewhat variable area near the medial border is in contact with the descending part of the duodenum. The lower part of the anterior surface is in contact laterally with the right colic flexure, and medially, as a rule, with the small intestine. The areas in relation with the liver and small intestine are covered by peritoneum. The suprarenal, duodenal, and colic areas are devoid of peritoneum. Anterior surface of the left kidney. A small area along the upper part of the medial border is in relation with the left suprarenal gland, and close to the lateral border is a long strip in contact with the renal impression on the spleen. A somewhat quadrilateral field about the middle of the anterior surface marks the site of contact with the body of the pancreas, on the deep surface of which are the lienal vessels. Above this is a small triangular portion, between the suprarenal and splenic areas, in contact with the posterior inferior surface of the stomach. Below the pancreatic area, the lateral part is in relation with the left colic flexure, the medial with the small intestine. The areas in contact with the stomach and spleen are covered by the peritoneum of the omental bursa, while that in relation to the small intestine is covered by the peritoneum of the general cavity. Behind the latter are some branches of the left colic vessels. The suprarenal, pancreatic, and colic areas are devoid of peritoneum. The posterior surface, facies posterior. The posterior surface of each kidney is directed backward and medialward. It is embedded in an areolar and fatty tissue and entirely devoid of peritoneal covering. 
It lies upon the diaphragm, the medial and lateral lumbocostal arches, the psoas major, the quadratus lumborum, and the tendon of the transversus abdominis, the subcostal, and one or two of the upper lumbar arteries, and the last thoracic, iliohypogastric, and ilioinguinal nerves. The right kidney rests upon the twelfth rib, the left usually on the eleventh and twelfth. The diaphragm separates the kidney from the pleura, which dips down to form the phrenico-costal sinus, but frequently the muscular fibers of the diaphragm are defective or absent over a triangular area immediately above the lateral lumbocostal arch, and when this is the case, the perinephric areolar tissue is in contact with the diaphragmatic pleura. Borders The lateral border, margolateralis, external border, is convex and is directed toward the posterolateral wall of the abdomen. On the left side, it is in contact at its upper part with the spleen. The medial border, margomedialis, internal border, is concave in the center and convex toward either extremity. It is directed forward and a little downward. Its central part presents a deep longitudinal fissure, bounded by prominent overhanging anterior and posterior lips. This fissure is named the hilum and transmits the vessels, nerves, and ureter. Above the hilum, the medial border is in relation with the suprarenal gland, below the hilum with the ureter. Extremities The superior extremity, extremitus superior, is thick and rounded, and is nearer the median line than the lower. It is surmounted by the suprarenal gland, which covers also a small portion of the anterior surface. The inferior extremity, extremitus inferior, is smaller and thinner than the superior, and farther from the median line. It extends to within five centimeters of the iliac crest. The relative position of the main structures in the hilum is as follows. The vein is in front, the artery in the middle, and the ureter behind and directed downward. Frequently, however, branches of both artery and vein are placed behind the ureter. Fixation of the kidney. The kidney and its vessels are embedded in a mass of fatty tissue, termed the adipose capsule, which is thickest at the margins of the kidney and is prolonged through the hilum into the renal sinus. The kidney and the adipose capsule are enclosed in a sheath of fibrous tissue, continuous with the subperitoneal fascia, and named the renal fascia. At the lateral border of the kidney, the renal fascia splits into an anterior and a posterior layer. The anterior layer is carried medialward in front of the kidney and its vessels, and is continuous over the aorta with the corresponding layer of the opposite side. The posterior layer extends medialward behind the kidney and blends with the fascia on the quadratus lumborum and psoas major, and through this fascia is attached to the vertebral column. Above the suprarenal gland, the two layers of the renal fascia fuse and unite with the fascia of the diaphragm. Below they remain separate and are gradually lost in the subperitoneal fascia of the iliac fossa. The renal fascia is connected to the fibrous tunic of the kidney by numerous trabriculi, which traverse the adipose capsule and are strongest near the lower end of the organ. Behind the fascia renalis is a considerable quantity of fat, which constitutes the paranephric body. The kidney is held in position partly through the attachment of the renal fascia and partly by the apposition of the neighboring viscera. General Structure of the Kidney The kidney is invested by a fibrous tunic, which forms a firm, smooth covering to the organ. The tunic can easily be stripped off, but in doing so, numerous fine processes of connective tissue and small blood vessels are torn through. Beneath this coat, a thin, wide-meshed network of unstriped muscular fiber forms an incomplete covering to the organ. 
When the capsule is stripped off, the surface of the kidney is found to be smooth and even and of a deep red color. In infants, fissures extending for some depth may be seen on the surface of the organ, a remnant of the lobular construction of the gland. The kidney is dense in texture, but is easily lacerable by mechanical force. If a vertical section of the kidney be made from its convex to its concave border, it will be seen that the hilum expands into a central cavity, the renal sinus. This contains the upper part of the renal pelvis and the calluses, surrounded by some fat in which are embedded the branches of the renal vessels and nerves. The renal sinus is lined by a prolongation of the fibrous tunic, which is continued around the lips of the hilum. The renal calluses, from seven to thirteen in number, are cup-shaped tubes, each of which embraces one or more of the renal papillae. They unite to form two or three short tubes, and these in turn join to form a funnel-shaped sac, the renal pelvis. The renal pelvis, wide above and narrow below where it joins the ureter, is partly outside the renal sinus. The renal calluses and pelvis form the upper expanded end of the excretory duct of the kidney. The kidney is composed of an internal medullary and an external cortical substance. The medullary substance, substantia medullaris, consists of a series of red-colored striated conical masses, termed the renal pyramids, the bases of which are directed toward the circumference of the kidney, while their apices converge toward the renal sinus, where they form prominent papillae projecting into the interior of the calluses. The cortical substance, substantia corticalis, is reddish-brown in color and soft and granular in consistence. It lies immediately beneath the fibrous tunic, arches over the basis of the pyramids, and dips in between adjacent pyramids toward the renal sinus. The parts dipping in between the pyramids are named the renal columns, Bertini, while the portions which connect the renal columns to each other and intervene between the bases of the pyramids and the fibrous tunic are called the cortical arches. If the cortex be examined with a lens, it will be seen to consist of a series of lighter-colored conical areas, termed the radiate part, and a darker-colored intervening substance, which from the complexity of its structure is named the convoluted part. The rays gradually taper toward the circumference of the kidney, and consist of a series of outward prolongations from the base of each renal pyramid. End of section 28